Do you know how to 10x the value of your email list by sending three simple emails? Wish you knew what the most valuable data was you could get from your subscribers? And is email automation really worth the hassle of setting it all up? Well, you're about to find out. Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. My guest today is Brennan Dunn, and he's the perfect person to answer those questions. Brennan helps businesses better understand and individually sell to their audience at scale. He's the author of This Is Personal, the founder of Write Message. He writes weekly at the Create and Sell newsletter and occasionally does a bit of consulting for partner clients like Justin Welsh, Smart Passive Income, Dan Goh, Ben Meir, and others. So basically anyone that you see that's building a uh, creator empire behind the scenes, Brennan is helping them. Hey, Brennan, welcome to the show. How's it going, Josh? Thanks for the intro. Yeah, I am super excited to talk to you because full disclosure, I do very little automation in my newsletter. I do very little segmentation. I have a welcome email and I have a sort of one month anniversary gift email, but I don't do any segmentation. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm sure I should. So I'm happy to have you on because not only are my listeners and viewers going to learn a lot, but I am going to learn a lot as well. So to start off, before I get into my first question for you, just for people that don't know, just talk a little bit about what right message is, because I know that's a sort of core to, to all of this. So just give people sort of a quick synopsis of what it is. Yeah. So what right message started out as a website personalization tool, which the idea was like, hey, if you're on a website, you're on a sales page and you are a copywriter who is struggling with getting clients, you could be looking at a sales page and see different testimonials, different headlines and stuff than somebody who might be a designer who was struggling with pricing or something. So we started out doing that, where the idea would be, hey, you've got your normal website. What if we could change different elements, kind of like what Amazon does. When you go to Amazon site, you see your Amazon homepage, I see my Amazon homepage. And we built a tool that let people do that. But the issue we ran into pretty quickly was that most companies don't have segmentation data and you can't, mm. you can't personalize a website without segmentation. Minor so, detail. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of shifted into this like space of now we're doing surveying and kind of like on-site profiling based on what people are doing and what content they're reading. But the, the majority use case now, frankly, is people are using us to make it so when people join their email list, we're capturing data about why they joined, who they are, that gets fed up to their email platform. And then they're then using that to not only personalize all of their emails and their automations, but also do things like when they're back on the site to go buy a product, all that context is brought over. The, the easiest way to think about it is if you and I are talking over Zoom, I take into account who you are, what I know about you, and I get a, I'm going to describe what I do differently to you. And that's kind of what we're talking about is to be able to do that at infinite scale, pretty much. Cool. So my guess is that everyone that just heard you talk about that falls into one of two camps and maybe both. I think their, their first reaction is, oh my God, that sounds super cool and amazing. And their other reaction is probably, oh my God, that sounds super complicated and intimidating. So let's start there with the, the first thing I want to know is obviously there's a ton of cool stuff that can be done with segmentation and automations, but I think it's also real easy for people to get intimidated. So let's start with sort of an incredibly simple, basic approach. It doesn't necessarily require right message or any of that, right? Just anyone who has any sort of email service can do a version of this. So Let's say that someone has a newsletter and they're going to send a three email welcome sequence to their new subscribers. What would you recommend they do with each of those three emails and when, what sort of rollout or frequency, when should they schedule them to send? 
I mean, I, so if, if we're talking three emails, I would, I would definitely do a day apart. So one mm -hmm. point of opt-in, one a day later, one a day later. And the three I'd send would be, I think the most important one is going to be the first one. And that would need to show somebody they're at the right place. So basically make it very clear, Hey, here's what you're going to learn from me. Here's what you're going to get from me. Here's why it's worth your while to tune into me when I show up in your inbox. I think the second email should extend that and kind of impose upon their future. So like, all right, so what will happen if you, if you pay attention to me, how could I help you potentially transform, you know, your life or your business? And this is where a good case study or testimonial or something like that could come, come into play where the idea is, okay, you're here now. If you follow what I say and do what I tell you to do, this is where you could be. Then the third email I'd probably just use as a way to just kind of set expectations about what's next. Ne next, hey, here, you know, every week you're going to get an email from me. You can find me on social media here. Here's my YouTube channel. Here's my podcast. And give people different outlets for getting more from you, what you have on offer. So that's probably what I'd do if I had three emails that I could use. I would absolutely, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, I would absolutely personalize those emails too. So let me ask you. So I picked three emails sort of randomly out of the out of the blue. I guess sort of two questions here. So one is like right now with my newsletter, I have one, e one welcome email. They sign up, they get a welcome email that does some of this, uh, a lot of the stuff that sort of you're suggesting. Is there a reason or why should I have multi emails? I guess is the first part of the question as opposed to one and as part of a welcome sequence or onboarding sequence or whatever you want to call it. And then the second part is I picked three randomly. Should it be three? Should it be seven? Should it be two? Sort of how do you think about that? Good question. If the call to action or the thing somebody's joining is just a normal newsletter, I think having three, I actually in my, I just have a book that came out and I actually have a section on welcome sequences. And I talk about having four emails. So one of which is to show you're at the right place. One is to show that transformation of here's what you could become. The next one would be that future or not the future, the, the like example of somebody who's a little like you. So mm -hmm. if, if I raise my hand and say, I'm X, Y, and Z, here's somebody like you, and this is where you could get to. And then that last one would be context setting. But I think three to four is probably fine for a welcome sequence. You could absolutely do one. I mean, a lot of people are just doing a single, what we used to call an autoresponder email. You join the email list, you're on the email list. This is a bit about me. Here's a blurb about what I do. Mm -hmm. Expect emails from me in the future. The thing I like about having multiple emails here is that to get a lot of content in a single email can be difficult, right? So if you mm -hmm. want to cover, hey, here's why you should trust me, and here's what I can teach you, and here's some examples of success stories that could be reflective of what you could get to, and here's where else you can find me online and what else I have on mm -hmm. That's a lot to put in a single email. So I would split it up for that reason alone because you don't want to get a 3,000 word email. So that, that, that'd be the simple reason. The other reason I would probably argue would be, generally speaking, the more somebody becomes familiar with you showing up in their inbox, giving them good stuff, the better. So I think early on, somebody's at that like peak intrigue. Like they just mm -hmm. said, you, Josh, can email me. So at that point in time, like they're really excited about what good stuff you can give them, I think. Whereas over time, like interest tends to wane. And as they hear a lot from you, you know, ten. That's where drop-off happens. But early mm -hmm. on, I think you've got their attention. So give them. Would you tell them up front in that first email, hey, you know, welcome. You're going to get four emails from me over the next four days. Would you let them know or just sort of let it play out? I'd let it play out. I mean, I've, I've set up a number of these and I've never 
made it clear how the welcome sequence was constructed. Okay. But in that final email, I do make it clear the cadence of what what's to come. So like I have a twice weekly newsletter and I tell people, hey, on Tuesday and Thursdays, you're going to hear from me. So along those lines, let's say you publish a newsletter on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Someone signs up on a Monday. On Tuesday, are they getting two emails from you? Are they getting the second email in the welcome sequence and that day's newsletter? Or do you run them through the welcome sequence before they start getting the newsletter? How do you, how do you think about that? So I did, they don't get any newsletters until they're done the welcome sequence. Okay. Um, they join on Monday. They won't get it until really the next week because I have a four-day welcome sequence. And then actually the Tuesday emails they're going to get are automated emails, whereas the Thursday emails are my live weekly newsletter. So technically speaking, they move from one automation, which is the welcome sequence, to a longer-term nurturing automation, which is the Tuesday newsletter. When you say that, so the Tuesday newsletters are automated, every so everyone's starting at whatever email one is in that sequence and going through? No, no. So I ask, at the point of opt-in, I ask, three questions. The first question is about what do you, what are you looking for my help for, for most, right? What, do you, mm -hmm. what is it you need now? And there's three options. The first is audience growth. The second is about conversion from subscriber to customer. And the third option is automation. So mm -hmm. they choose automation for the first four months. Every Tuesday, they're getting an email, my best of emails on all things automation. Mm -hmm. So my thinking is if you join and you say, hey, I need help with automation. Hey, I use ConvertKit. Hey, here's mm -hmm. like the kind of business I run. I want to make it so the welcome sequence is going to be very dialed into how I'm going to help you better automate your business because that's what you want. And every Tuesday for four months, every single email you're going to get is about automation. It's not going to be about mm -hmm. growth. It's not going to be about sales. It's automation. And people tend to like that. And the data shows that it, it's been a good call to do that. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. And do, do they know that those Tuesday emails are best of, or do they just think that half of your newsletter happens to be about automation or whatever they selected. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't surprise anyone that when they opt into my list and what I kind of right, about right. that and I'm doing that, but no, I, my thinking here is that most of us are creating effectively evergreen content, unless you're mm -hmm. talking about stock fluctuations or world news, pretty much a lot of what we're talking about doesn't change day to day. Yeah. So my thinking here is, does anyone care if I wrote the email this morning or six months ago? Probably. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, the benefit I think of this too is that, you know, if you think about a, a good book, it's curated, like it's, it's ordered mm -hmm. in such a way that where the subsequent chapter is built on the previous ones. So I'm kind of able to do that where I, when I ordered these best ofs, it starts foundationally and kind of moves into, so as I start dropping like jargon and kind of like more Brennan ways of describing things, like it, it I, I want to set that foundational stuff early on so that later emails make a lot more sense. So yeah, I've not only done a, done a best of that's niche down to their need, but I've also organized them in a way that I think makes a lot of sense. Cool. What happens, it's really smart. What happens at the end of that best of sequence, right? So four months, four months of Tuesdays, they're getting this email about whatever topic they chose. What happens at the end of it? it comes the Thursday email newsletter. Okay. So they go, so they're getting Tuesday, Thursday for four months, and then they're just getting the, whatever new email, whatever new newsletter issue you send on Thursdays. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I do add to that sequence. So when I do a live Thursday right. letter, I add it to automated one. So I'm going to, I subtract out people. I don't ever want you to get the broadcast version of that newsletter on, the, on a Thursday. And then like the next mm -hmm. week, get it on a Tuesday. So I do filter you out, but yeah, it did. The idea is that 
if I do get to the point where, let's say I have a year's worth of content, that would put me, I think, in a really nice place. Because if I wanted to ever <laughs> take off or not, yeah. not be kind of on that hamster wheel of writing weekly, I could, I'd be in a position to do that. And yeah. I'm not there yet, but yeah. Yeah, it's really smart. And I'm immediately thinking like I have a million, you know, I've been doing my newsletter for seven years. I have a million things on specific topics that I could definitely, I could definitely do that. Let me ask you, you said, so you give people three options up front for which sort of best of list they want. Can they choose multiple or they have to choose one? It's one of many. So how I phrase the question is, what is the number one email marketing right. challenge that you're facing right now? Because the problem with multiple is, okay, what if they chose all three, right? Yeah. Do you put them on? three. Like, right. So I, I always try to make it so when I do my segmentation, it's always mm -hmm. choose one of many rather mm -hmm. than choose many of many. Interesting. So for someone like me that has a daily newsletter, yep. so I do a daily weekday and then Sunday longer version. If I were to do something like this, again, just sort of thinking it through in my own mind, right? So let's say I said, okay, what are you interested in? Are you interested in newsletter growth? Are you interested in whatever, blog growth or getting more clients, something like, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody opts in, I've set up the sequence. It's going to run, you know, once a week, they're going to get a best of thing. If you were me, would you replace, I guess my options would be, I could replace one of the weekday ones and make that a best of slot. So every Tuesday is the best. I don't send a daily one. I send a best of one, or I do have an open slot on Saturday. I could go, well, Saturdays, they get the best of one. And sort of add an additional one. You have any any take on that? Like for people that are sending daily, right? You're sending once a week, so it's easy to sort of pick an additional day. What would you do or recommend for someone that has a daily newsletter? I mean, I might not even. So in your case, since you're producing so much content every week, mm -hmm. you could obviously like somebody who joins today, everything you've ever written, they're never going to see. Yeah. So you could think, okay, well, should I maybe... You know, you could, you could make your, your job easier is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Maybe I only write half the week and half mm -hmm. of it is just automated stuff from right. 10%. You could do that. What I would probably do though, more in your shoes would be, you mentioned that you have that single immediate welcome email. Yeah. I think if you could uncover a bit about why they're here and what they're hoping to achieve and a bit about who they are, you could then tailor that email or emails if you want to make it multiple accordingly. So like mm -hmm. we, we actually have some new data from, I'm sure Dan Go the does a lot mm -hmm. of like fitness and stuff. Yeah. So we we're now serving his new subscribers and uncovering things like, do they want to build muscle, lose weight, you know, male, female, like why, why do they want to do it? Is it body confidence reasons? Is it this or is it that? Do they travel for work or don't they, do they have a family? We get all this data. And he's getting about 85% of all people giving this data up at the point of opt-in, which is great. So mm -hmm. almost everyone is segmented. And what he's doing with that is the welcome sequence that explains why should you listen to Dan is dialed in on what you said. So if you're mm -hmm. a woman who wants to lose weight for body confidence reasons, you're not going to see a bunch of buff dude testimonial pics. You're going to see women. You're going to see examples that make sense to you. And we've already seen a 17% increase across the board for his engagement since doing that. And by engagement, I mean opens and clicks. So. Yeah. Just by doing that, it's you're at the right place. I'm listening to you. I've I've listened to the fact that you've told me X, Y, and Z. Here's my plan for you. Here's how I can help you. And that just sets the kind of the 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 new relationship off on our mm -hmm. wedding. So I think that's a really good in kind of like one time thing. Like you right. most of us don't mess with that welcome sequence. You make that effort once. And now from here on out, new subscribers are like, this is 
this guy's listening to me. If the first four emails you send them are exactly what they want, they're a lot more likely to yeah. continue opening, you know, what? Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So it's funny, I've asked you like 20 questions already, but let's get to my second question for you, <laughs> which is, this is a perfect segue because I want to talk about segmentation. Obviously, when it comes to segmentation, your segments are only as valuable as the information you use to create them. Yeah. So what do you think are the three most valuable data points to get on your readers and what's the best way to go about getting that data? So I've done and witnessed a lot of experimentation on how do you get data from subscribers in a way that doesn't come off as threatening or weird or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And the single best way I've seen for getting data is instead of having a normal check your email post opt-in confirmation page, have a very simple embedded multiple choice survey, not a giant form with like fill in the blank, but just like monkey brain click that simply says, hey, would you mind sparing 15 seconds so that I can send you better content? And you use this as an opportunity to ask a few multiple choice questions. And the questions that I would ask would be, I would start with something that is very focused on them and their goals. So why did you join? What is your number one email marketing challenge in my case? For Justin, it's stuff like, do you want to build an audience or do you want to build a business online? What is your <laughs> focus and what do you need my help with? So I'd find out a bit about why they're specifically here. And then I drill deeper into things like, well, what have, what have they tried so far? What's holding them back from doing that? And the third thing that I'd ask would be something about themselves, which would be, it's going to differ between like audience to audience, but it would be like, in my case, what email platform you use? I use ConvertKit. And mm -hmm. in Justin's case, how do you make money? I, I'm a coach or I sell courses. In Dan's case, what would it be for him? I guess a lot of his are goal focused, but yeah, I mean, basically something that ideally, or actually male, female would be for him, because what you want to be mm -hmm. able to do with that is, hey, you're a course creator. Like with Justin Welsh's new course he's got coming out, the email pitches, you're going to, if you're a course creator and you've told him that, and he, actually for that 90% of people about have told him this data, you're mm -hmm. going to get an email about why his new course is going to help you sell more courses, right? Whereas if you're a coach, how this is going to help you get better coaching clients who pay you more money. So it's the same end product, but the descriptions are going to change and you can't, mm -hmm. you need who they are and that's going to change again depending on your audience, yeah. why they're here and what they've tried already. Those are the three main things that I, I try to uncover. Great. And so when you say embedded in the very beginning, you were talking about, so are you, because I think I've seen this on some people's site, are you running that embedded form sort of on the thank you page? They sign up and then they get to, so it's on a website, right? It's not in emails, click this link, whatever. It's they sign up on whatever the email list or newsletter sign up page is. And then essentially the thank you page is thanks, some version of thanks for signing up. Tell me more so I can give you what's going to help you the most. And that's the embedded form. That's exactly it. Yep. So technically what happens is the email address is passed over to that form in the URL <laughs> automatically. So when people answer these questions, it's synced up to their newly created record. So instead of just getting first name and email address, you have first name, email address, why they joined, what they're struggling with, who they are, all that details now on their record. But just to be clear, it's not, they're not filling that out before they submit. They're signing up. So the, the sign up is just so people know the sign up is still the same, right? You're not asking them a million questions to get them to subscribe. You're like, Hey, here's the, put your email here, hit subscribe. And then you're seeing, tell me more about you. Yeah. You, you would, I mean, that's the worst thing you could do when it comes to conversions to happen. But by doing it this way, I mentioned like 80, 85% completion mm -hmm. standard. And I think as long wow. as you're clear about why you're asking these questions. This isn't like 
me reporting mm-hmm. to my board of directors with a PowerPoint of like stats. This is so I can help you. And as long as you're doing that, yeah, mm-hmm. generally speaking, if you have easy to answer questions, my rule of thumb is you should be able to complete the survey while drunk. So right. if you're asking, how would you resolve the Ukraine conflict? That's probably a bit intense. But if it, do you have a business? Yes or no? Most of us can, can answer that, you know? Yeah, cool. So the other question I had about, about getting this data is, so obviously like you set it up and now you're getting it on all your new subscribers. Any tips on getting it from existing subscribers, right? So if I were to start tomorrow, I have 40,000 subscribers. So it's great. I'm getting it on the new people, yeah. but how do I get as many of those 40,000 to now fill it out beyond, obviously you ask them and, and whatever, but is, is there any sort of tips or tricks for getting existing subscribers to do it? Yeah, it, it's not easy. It's doable. I mean, <laughs> again, with, with the people, you know, I've been helping union in the intro, like they've all been able to get pretty good coverage, but it's not been a easy thing. Usually what I usually recommend is one or two broadcast emails that are very to the point. So very specifically, Hey, can I find out a bit more about why you're here and what you need from me so that I can create better content? And usually if you do this, I mean, it's a bit late now, but if you did this at mm-hmm. the end of 2023, you could say, Hey, with 2024 in the horizon, like I want to make sure I'm creating the right content. I'd love to know a bit about you and your goals so that I can make sure I'm creating the right stuff for you and make it clear. Like this is a 10, 15 second thing. You're not asking them to go to this massive type form of 50,000 questions and type a whole paragraph of like response data or whatever else. Make it very clear. This won't take long. This is for your benefit. And I want to make sure that I give you exactly what you need from me and nothing more. So you do that. You're going to get, again, when you factor in like open rates at 40, 50%, and then, mm-hmm. you know, usual engagement rates, like you're going to get maybe 10% of your list to do that then and there. And then from then on out, what I'd recommend would be having some dynamic content in your normal newsletters that like, if they've done the survey, don't show anything, but if they haven't done it, maybe have a very simple click here to go and, you know, share a bit about, you know, what, what you need help from with. And you do that enough and over time, it'll start to increase like across everyone. It's, it's one of these things like new subscribers are great. 80, 85%, unless they're coming from like the creator network where they don't see your thank you page. And again, that's tricky too, because now you need to figure out how to get, how to get it from them. But yeah, for normal subscribers, you tend to get high coverage and then for the 40,000 you have. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you, over time, you'd be able to get that data. It just takes, takes a while. And just to be clear for people who are listening, this is what right message as a software, this is what it makes easy, right? Embedding those forms and, and right. You can do all that through right message. If you, if you use right message, obvi- I know obviously it works with ConvertKit. Does it work with other platforms? Is it, how flexible is it? Yeah, it works with, let me, let me try to remember the companies we integrate with, but it's like Active Campaign, MailChimp, Bento, Infusionsoft, HubSpot. Like it works with all the major email platforms. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do with it that's a bit different is I, you don't need to have people re-enter their email address ever. So if you right. put a link in your ConvertKit email to a right message form, as they answer questions, that data is synced up in real time. So even if they bail midway through, you at least have uh, partial data about them. And if they come back to the survey later, they start where they left off. So it does a lot of like really interesting things like that. And it also pulls in context. So if they're already, let's say you email your entire list and say like, hey, if somebody's tagged customer, when they get to question two, make it this question instead of that question. So you can do like interesting stuff like that, like workflow kind of patterny stuff where you can change up what you ask of people mm-hmm. depending on what you know about them already. 
other than the stuff that we talked about, is there anything else that you recommend people do in terms of getting data or data that they should get? Or is it, it basically that set this up to capture data, you know, these sort of three simple things on your new subscribers and do your best to get existing subscribers. Anything else? I mean, ideally you want a really holistic segmentation strategy. So you should be tracking <laughs> where the, where people come from. So it's funny. I've seen so many people who they get a ton of subscribers from the creator network, but they don't actually segment them as creator no. network people. And you should absolutely be doing segmentation based on where somebody comes from, because that's indicative of what they're looking for help with. So if they join your, I know you just famously, you've said many times where you just want to have the newsletter, but for the people who have this lead magnet and this PDF yeah. and this and that, like if somebody opts into the start a business checklist, you could probably assume they want to start a business, right? So you could put <laughs> that into your advantage. Absolutely. Also segment people when they buy stuff, like depending on mm -hmm. if they bought, like depending on what skill sessions they bought or whatever else you want to capture that. So when you go to promote a thing they've already bought, they don't see that promotion. I mean, that's yeah. probably a no brainer. And then there's the information about like intent. So who are they? Why are they here? All that stuff we just talked about. I'm going to capture that. You can get, you can get, I mean, I've seen some people go really deep with this where they're looking at like content patterns, like what are people reading, right? Have they viewed certain sales pages? And then you can use that to say almost do on email abandonment. So imagine they view a sales page, they don't buy, they get a newsletter from you. Hey, PS, I saw you checked out my sales page. You didn't buy. Can I help? You know, yeah. that's, that's an example of it kind of taken to the extreme, but I think mm -hmm. at a minimum, just like what, what have they bought? and why are they here and what do they need help with? And if you can, if you can figure that out, you can then give them a really good experience, I think. Yeah. Now, obviously it's completely different based on everyone's individual goals and their audience and their list and all of that stuff. But in terms of figuring out sort of what those three options should be, right? Or sort of, let's say you're going to have at its base, let's say you're going to have three different segments. Any advice for someone who they have a list, they're trying to figure out like, well, what are the options that I want to let people choose from? How do you think about that? Or how do you think about figuring that out? So we've done this a few times with people in the past where they, we had one client years ago who had a hundred something thousand people on his list and it was a golfing website mm -hmm. and they sent a broadcast email that said, Hey, would you mind replying to this email with in a one or two sentences, a bit about why you're into golf and what kind of content you love most from us. And they got a ton of responses or replied. And then this is before GPT. So they just had somebody like go through mm -hmm. and categorize these and, you know, say, oh, these are, these are the four things that keep coming up again and again. People want reviews. People want like things on how to play golf better. People, I forgot all the different ones, but like they came mm -hmm. up with four different things. And nowadays, this is something that actually ChatGPT does really well. That's here's a list of a spreadsheet of a bunch of replies. What are the common patterns about who people are mm. and why they're here? And that gives you your initial segmentation strategy. Yeah. So open-ended questions to your existing audience and then pull all those response and categorize them. It's funny. I had done a version of that uh, years ago, not actually for segmentation. It was more sort of market research and sort of informing some of my copy. And one of the questions I had asked was, uh, it was something along the lines of, in one word, describe how this newsletter makes you feel. Something like that. And it was interesting, the constraint, but I saw the same thing, right? There were a million different answers, but there were certain words that were used, you know, 10% of the time, 15% of the time. It was really interesting to see that, right? And that constraint 
was sort of interesting. And I think another one of the questions I had done in that survey, I forget exactly one. So the, it was, I think the one word of how it makes you feel. And then I think there was one that was like, in one sense, describe the value that you get from this. And I found that while it's also great to have people sort of ramble on and tell you, you know, they'll tell you interesting things, that constraint was also interesting in terms of sort of, you know, forcing people to really pick like the one thing, something that people also might find helpful. Well, cool. That was all really, really great. And now I want to go segment my list. All right. So let's get to, let's get to my, my last questions. I want to talk about right message and how different types of people can use it. Cause obviously it is a, it is flexible, right? It's this great tool that you can do a lot with, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, a tool is only as good as what you do with it. So I want to throw three different scenarios at you. And for, for each one, you tell me sort of the best use case of right message for them, if that makes sense. The first is, let's say someone has a newsletter they publish weekly. Their main monetization method is sponsorships. How should they get started with or use right message? Love that question because we just recently dealt with a customer who had kind of the same. Exactly. Mm -hmm. that for the media company. What they're doing, which is kind of cool, is they're capturing data without naming them. They target like technical developer type people and they do things on like resources and reviews for online platforms and cloud. So they captured things about like job title, company size that, that they're at. And these were later questions. Because if you start off the first survey questions, like how big is your company? People are going to be like, screw it, I'm not doing this. But they started me off with more, what kind of content do you want to get from us? What are the number one challenges you have with cloud computing? You know, things like that, that <laughs> got people engaged. And then they would kind of close out with like really quick things like, hey, are you between one and 10 people in your company? 10 to 100, you know, whatever. So that what they could do is then when they had the like sponsorship rate card stuff that they, you know, put together for some mm -hmm. potential sponsors, instead of just saying, hey, we've got a list of 500,000 people and X to open rate and Y click rate, it's that data along with 38% are CTOs, you know, 22% are this. And, and it's that kind of data that I think you show a sponsor that and they're like, wow, like these are people with decision-making, you know, potential. It's not just low-level employees and things like that. So they used it for that reason, to be able to show mm -hmm. with confidence, like this is the composition of our audience. And obviously people could lie, I guess, but for the most part, it's presumably pretty accurate. Yeah, and, and also you're, I mean, I imagine they're capturing that data sort of on sign up, like we've talked about before, which is really different than, you know, I've seen people all the time where it's like they want to sell the sponsors and they're like, well, now I need to go get that data on my audience. Yeah. And they send an email going, hey, will you tell me like who you are and what you like? People know it's like, why? So you can sell me to someone else, right? Like yeah. the, the context is completely different and people are probably much more likely to get, fill out that data right after they've subscribed than they are later when it's, you just want it now to sell ads or whatever, right? There's not the same incentive of as up, up front where it's, I want to be able to serve you as best as I can is very different than, hey, I'm trying to monetize. So can you tell me who you are? I mean, you still, you probably could still use it rightfully post sign up, right? Especially mm -hmm. if, I mean, I remember some of the questions it's coming back to me that they asked yeah. things like, what kind of podcast format do you like? Do you like interview? Mm -hmm. Do you like, like thought leader rambling kind of stuff? And, you know, they, they mixed in natural questions into that, that were more about how can we give you better free content? And they did some other interesting stuff too. Like they had a services arm to their media brand where if it was a big company showed up, right? Like thousand plus employees or something, they were like, hey, could we route that to our CRM so that somebody from our whoever sales team could reach out to them? 
And that's what they did is if you came mm-hmm. in and said, I'm at a massive company, they were using ConvertKit and they just had a Zapier thing hooked up that said, cool, Adam to our CRM, if that condition's true. So you can do like interesting things like that too. Yeah. With- Smart. Cool. Okay. So let me give you uh, the second scenario here. So let's say that someone runs a social media marketing agency. They have an email list, but they only sporadically send out emails. It's not really a newsletter. And their primary goal is ultimately to get clients. How would you recommend they use right message to help them do that? So we have a lot of agencies who use us that use us on their client projects, which doesn't answer that question. But we also have mm-hmm. a good amount who do use us kind of like for, for lead qualification. We actually, so we, the one, we have this like gallery of ways people have used us on our website. And one of them is an example of, a, of an agency that when you join the list, they uncover different things about, okay, you know, in social media marketing company example, like what platforms are you currently using or something? And mm-hmm. are you having success like you want with social media or whatever else? And then, you know, they would weave in questions like about, you know, are you looking, do you have a project that you're potentially wanting help with? Or are you still in kind of the research or thinking about phase? Because I imagine most people don't willingly opt in the agency newsletters unless they, and what they did is if you indicated and raised your hand saying, I've got a project that's kind of on the table and you, they had different budget. If you answered yes to that, they would ask you a range of different options of, for budget questions. And then if you fit the profile, they bring you directly to Calendly to book a time. Otherwise you'd go to their newsletter. So they kind of used right messages, almost like a router. Like if you're, if you're low value, we want to, we don't want to get you to turn away, but we want you on our email list and we can maybe a year from now, you might be a client. But if you're high intent, high value, let's skip the whole newsletter thing and just bring you to our calendar and get call booked. So you could use it for that. I think, I mean, it's definitely going to be harder because you're typically talking lower volume and yeah. you know maybe a few dozen or a few hundred people on your email list. But probably one of my favorite examples of this is my first job was doing like freelance website stuff. And it was my first client was a yacht company. So this is down in South Florida and they you know built custom yachts. And they're like, we just want one customer a year. Like the right. website right. for one client a year. And it's the website's not going to sell them. It's just right. to show them like photos and stuff like that. So yeah. the way I think about it is if you have high value clients who pay you lots of money, if there was something you could do to say, oh, yeah, you use Twitter or something, a bad example, mm-hmm. but they chose Twitter. Maybe they join your list and then it's, hey, here's some of the ways that we've done incredible stuff with Twitter before. That's what you use. So that might be enough to be like, oh, yeah, maybe I should pick up the phone. It's hard to say. It's, it, I mean, the, the attribution right. model for agency work is so difficult, I think. But Right. And also, if you're going after clients, you first have to get them on your list in the first place, yeah. which, is a, which is a whole other thing. Okay. So finally, my, my third hypothetical scenario here, which is my personal favorite. Let's say that the someone who's going to start using right message is me. I've got a large newsletter following. I want more of my readers to buy my skill sessions and ideally not just buy an individual session, but become an annual member where they get access to all the sessions. By the way, if anyone wants to know what I'm talking about, joshspector.com slash sessions. So how should I use right message? Let me ask you a few questions about what you have on yeah, your head first. Sure. If I buy a skill session, am I now seeing call to actions in your newsletters promoting the bundle or like, how does that work or the annual thing? Not really, unfortunately. So at, at the moment, the individual sales go through Gumroad. 
the memberships go through ConvertKit. So they're not automatically linked. That said, I certainly could go through and pull my Gumroad emails and create tags. So I could, I could link them, but they're okay. not currently. You don't have linked. the Gumroad sale data going into ConvertKit at all. I don't. I should, but I don't. I, I'd probably fix that first. <laughs> so let's assume, let's assume I get to a point where I, where it is. Okay. What I would probably do, since I, you have, I think the one you've been promoting <laughs> lately has been for podcast bookings. Yep. Right? So what you could do is, have you seen, so Jay Klaus is using right message in a really interesting mm -hmm. way where when you join his list, he, he's got a bunch of different products and workshops and stuff along with his big lab thing. He asks you things like, are you on LinkedIn? Yes, no. Do you want to do podcasting? Yes, no. And all these mm -hmm. different things. At the end of it, he basically promotes a specific product for you, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Josh, welcome to the list. I think you'd be great for my course on memberships or something like that. Yeah. That'd be what you shared. What you could do to go beyond that would be once you have this portfolio of all these skill sessions, like in your newsletter that you send out every day, like why make it so the call to action is random or potentially un unrelated to what somebody needs? So if somebody says, mm -hmm. I fit the profile of somebody who really needs your, I want to get booked on podcasts. You could make it, hey, you've shared with me that you're looking to get booked podcast on podcasts what you need from me or something right an example that's working out really nicely for us lately to go back to dan go is in the footer of his newsletter he has that three ways i can help you thing where it's mm -hmm. like got a course he's got a coaching offering and he has sponsorships right you mm -hmm. see this all around i think a lot of people's newsletters have that like standard yeah. format going on now what he's doing now is he's getting all that data about like gender goal reasoning all that stuff and he's personalizing the description of his course in the, in every newsletter. So if you are a male who wants to build muscle and you want to do it to get women or something, you would get his lean body 90 course described differently to you in his little blurb than a woman would or something. And that alone has led to 26% more clicks to a sales page from his newsletter. So he sends out yeah. 200,000 people, 26% more people than before are now clicking through to the Lean Body 90 sales page and also buying. So that's an example of, you're just saying, I've learned X, Y, and Z about you. So here's why I think you need this product. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that totally completely makes sense. And it's funny because it's stuff that I've done with copy before, right? So even in its most simplest way, like the switching out of a single word, right? So for example, if I'm promoting, so I have a newsletter creators Facebook group. If I promote my skill sessions in there, I say that they help newsletter creators grow their audience and business. If I'm promoting the same product, the skill session to someone who's a coach, I'm saying it helps coaches grow their audience and business. I'm not lying. It's true. I'm just, you see this with, you know, I used to run Facebook ads for different stuff and it's like the same thing, right? If you're targeting, if you, the whole advantage of sort of Facebook ads and, and that kind of level of targeting is like, yeah. I can run the one to the coaches and say coaches and run the one to the newsletter creators and say newsletter creators. So completely makes sense. And I have uh, no excuse for why I'm not doing that stuff. And it's funny because I, I currently in my newsletter, you know, like you said in the very beginning, all my stuff is basically evergreen, right? So besides promoting new sessions that come out, I have a whole archive of sessions now. So all the time in my newsletter, I'm just promoting sort of a random, oh, I haven't promoted that one in a while. So let's, let's mention that sort of in an ad or in the bottom or whatever. But like, why not have that ad be dynamic? And so yeah. as opposed to just sort of randomly picking one to everyone, let the newsletter people see the newsletter boosters skill session and let the, you know, 
consultants see the client generator session. Like it's, it's so obvious and it's, you know, it's one, which again is one of the reasons why I was excited to, to talk to you. And I'm excited to, to look into right message as well, because there's no reason for me not to be doing this stuff other than I'm not doing this stuff. Right. And, and I think I know a lot of people, a lot of people resonate with that. And, and I think it's, you know, they look at people that are, and I have these conversations with people who have big audience, you know, I mean, no, you started working with Justin Welsh. Well, you just started working with Justin Welsh not that long ago. Right. And, 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 and I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people from the outside look at people who have made it to a certain level and they assume that like they're on top of everything. And the truth is, Right. Like I, there's a million holes in what I'm doing and I know that there are holes and you know, it's just, you try to plug them one at a time as you, as you get to them. And it, it, it seems to me again, not having used it yet, but I have a hunch I'm about to start using it. You know, message seems like a great way to plug a bunch of those holes. So talk to me just a little bit before we wrap up here. And obviously people can go to your website and learn all about right message and pricing and all of that. Is this something that they just sort of buy the software, they set it up themselves? Is it something that you offer sort of help or hands-on, any of that kind of stuff? If you want to talk about pricing a little bit, give people some idea of sort of what it costs, how you charge, all of that kind of anything that people might be curious to know. Yeah. So we, funny enough, we, we started out, we started in 2017. So we've been around for a while now. We... We started out being entirely self-serve because we thought you don't, you don't start a software company to be talked about. Yeah. We, uh, we started for that reason. And, but especially since I've always been the demo guy, like I'm, I'm the one who mm -hmm. uses a lot, a lot of the demos for the team. Most, most people at the end would say everything conceptually makes sense about what you're talking about. I get this. I need this, but God, this is going to be a lot of work to think through. What do I need to ask? What are my segments? How do I get it all linked up correctly? Blah, 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 blah. This is actually what led to the consulting work and spinning off the side agency was I started ending these calls with, well, what if we just did it for you? Mm -hmm. This is what we, uh, I've been doing this stuff for a while now. What if me and my team, we just do it all for you? So we do, that's what led us to people like Justin and Dan and Ben and all these people that I was talking about earlier. But we actually, we don't have it yet. So I'm not going to say anything tangible. But we're working on something that is going to be more of a smaller, cheaper, one-off productized thing where we say, we're going to go in, come up with your segmentation strategy, put together a survey for your new subscribers, get it all deployed for you, get it all linked with your email platform, done. You don't need to think about it. We don't do the whole, I mean, we're handling like the launch emails for Justin. Like we don't do any of that kind of stuff. Right. The simple data collection, getting it up and running and giving you the data that you can then use to send targeted email campaigns and, and, and. A lot of the things we've been talking about. So we're working on that now. I don't know when this is going to go live, but it's probably a quarter later, quarter one kind of thing for us. But yeah, at the minute you can happily go and get an account. Pricing is not, you know, it, it's, it, we have two different tiers. One tier is for just the on-site surveying and we can do on-site call to action stuff too. Like kind of cool. Actually, we didn't really get into this, but you could say if they're on my website and they're on my list already. Don't show opt-in forms, show a thing they haven't bought yet or, you know, show mm -hmm. different stuff like that. So that's the call to action plan. It allows you to do all of that. And then we have a higher priced personalized plan, which is the full, like mm -hmm. when you're on the sales page, show a different testimonial, depending on what you know about them. Right. And that's a little more complicated to set up because it requires a lot more strategy work, but yeah, everything's self-serve. You could just go get free two week trial at rightmessage.com. 
And yeah, we have a very good learning center on that covers everything about the product and how it all works and a bunch of example galleries on what people have done with it. Cool. That is, that. that's great. And again, I, I think it's all, it's all really smart and I know I'm definitely going to check it out. Brennan, thanks so much for doing this. This was, this was awesome and really helpful. And I'm sure my audience will find it helpful as well. Any place that people should go to check you out, obviously go to right message, anything else that you want to mention? Yeah. I mean, the, honestly, if you want to go deeper into all this, create and sell.co is my, mm -hmm. I mentioned twice weekly newsletter. See and see how it actually works. If you want to reverse engineer everything we just talked about, go there. Type That's email funny. Do it a few times. I mean, rack up my ConvertKit bill by doing different emails. And, right. But yeah, I mean, that that's honestly, if you want more of the information side of things, not mm -hmm. the software, that would be the place to go for that. Oh, one more quick question or uh, assumption, I guess, about this in terms of sort of the work involved in, in doing it. My assumption is that in most cases, once you set it up, other than adding the occasional sequence or changing up some of your emails, like once you set it up, you're not it's not a lot of ongoing work, right? It's, it's no. just takes you some time to get it set up and then you're, you're done. So I, haven't I, touched I think well over a year, to be honest, it's, once it's up, it's up for the most part. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. I appreciate it. Again, you can check out my newsletter and maybe get segmented at fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. My skill sessions at joshspector.com slash sessions. If you would like to come on the show and ask me three questions, I would be happy to answer them. Go to joshspector.com slash questions to submit them. And I think that is about it. Brennan, thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening. See you next time. Thanks, Josh.